Hi there. You're listening to Lindisfarne Anglican Church's Sermon Podcast, a place where you can hear God's Word preached if you weren't able to join us at one of our services during the week. My prayer for you today is that as you listen to this message, you'd be challenged, encouraged, and equipped to live as a disciple of Christ in the world. May God richly bless you as you listen to this message today. I wonder what the longest amount of time is you've ever had to wait for something or someone that you really wanted. Perhaps uh, it was for the return of a loved one after a late night out. I'm certainly not looking forward to the first time that happens to me in uh, 20 years' time. Uh, And um, uh, I I, I know that uh, I can remember... Uh, having, you know, waited for people to come back from trips when I wanted to see them. Uh, It it feels like an eternity. Uh, A week turns into uh, a a month. It feels like seconds turn into minutes minutes to hours. Or uh, perhaps uh, you've bought something online and it says will be delivered in five to seven business days and business day 10 comes and you're still expect, sitting expectantly uh, at, at your window looking for the Star Trek Expressman to come uh, and he seemingly never turns up. Uh, waiting is a funny thing, isn't it? And it's a, it's a hard thing and it can be hard to remain patient, it can be hard uh, to stay engaged in the task uh, or, or, or the thing that we're waiting for. Uh, and as Christians, we've been waiting for quite some time. As we come to the end of our series on the big picture of the Bible, uh, as we've been considering how that all hangs together on the kingdom of God, uh, we realise that we're, we're actually in this story. It's, it's not just the story of the Bible, it's the story that we live that, that's part of who we are and that we are actually waiting for its conclusion. Jesus talks about his return. The book of Revelation that we'll consider in a moment kind of spells out what it's going to be like when this story finally does end. But since Jesus ascended into heaven some 2,000 years ago, the collective people of God have been waiting for that great day when he will return and finally fill out this story. The kingdom of God will become perfected. We have good reason to be hopeful as we wait for the story to end though. Because as we've traced this story through the scriptures over the last uh, eight or nine weeks. We've seen, haven't we, that God is a God who is faithful to his promises. That God is the God who, when he reached out uh, into Abraham's life uh, and said, I'm going to bless you, I'm going to give you a land, I'm going to make you a great nation. When he said those things in Genesis chapter 12, he made good on them. It was some 2,000 years uh, at least. Uh, Kerry might be able to, uh, she might have a better opinion about exactly how long it was, but it was around about 2,000 years between God promising to Abraham uh, that he was going to do uh, the things that he said he would do in chapter 12 and the coming of Christ, who is the fulfilment of those promises. Uh, Who knows what that means? And we're about 2,000 years since Jesus first came. 
but uh, we don't know the hour. But hey, it's, it's interesting nonetheless. But what we do know is that God's people need to always be ready and willing to see God act and we need to be ready and willing to wait for that to happen. All the while trusting that he is a God who is faithful to his promises. You and I today are people looking forward, looking forward to a time when the kingdom of God will be implemented in its perfected form. And in the book of Revelation, we see just what it is that we're waiting for. But we'll come to that in a moment. Uh, I want us to recap Uh, On the count of three, God's kingdom is God's people in God's place under God's rule and blessing. Very good. You you all pass. Uh, I'm a kind taskmaster. Uh, And uh, I can give you uh, a printout. I can post this in the uh, Lindisfarne Facebook group. Perhaps I'll do that this afternoon. Uh, Here is... Uh, a great little chart that summarises where we've been over the last uh, few weeks. Uh, God's people, we see uh, that the kingdom has been laid out here, the pattern of the kingdom established in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve, God's people, living in God's place, the Garden of Eden, under God's rule and blessing, enjoying his presence. We see the fall, the kingdom perished. We see how uh, that fall undoes the kingdom of God and how it was meant to be. We see the promised kingdom uh, when when God speaks to Abraham, as we've talked about in chapter 12 of Genesis. The promise that he will make him a great nation, God's people, that he will give him a land, the the promised land, God's place, uh, and that he will be a blessing to others as he seeks to live in that place and and his descendants live in that place and bring God's rule and blessing to others and enjoy God's presence with them in the tabernacle. We've seen how those promises are partially fulfilled in the kingdom of Israel and Judah. And we've seen how uh, the kingdom is uh, fulfilled in Jesus uh, and how we now live in a time where we must proclaim this news that the kingdom of God has come near and we must repent and trust in Jesus. But as we live, and we talked about this last week, in the, this time of proclaiming the kingdom of God and inviting people to come in, we live in a time where we're looking forward to what the end of the whole story is and in the book of revelation the final book in the bible we have something of the uh, wrap-up of god's big picture and we see that again it hangs off this idea of the kingdom of god being finally made all that it has promised to be you remember that last week we talked about how in this time now we live in what's called the last days and it's a crossover of the ages, the age to come uh, and, the, and the present evil age, uh, the age that is now. And, and we live between the comings of Christ in the, in the last days where we experience both the effects of sin and, and all that is past, but also we get to experience some of what will be more fully realised uh, after Christ's second coming when the kingdom of God is perfected. I should have put that photo in the slides for a recap for you. The book of Revelation talks about the last days and what will be once they are over and Christ 
returns. Uh, And it's a book that is written by the Apostle John. It's his vision of uh, the end times and the coming of the kingdom in its perfect form, the second coming of Christ. It's a style of literature called apocalyptic literature that we see in a couple other places in the Bible, like Daniel, the middle of Daniel uh, and the start of Zechariah. Uh, and it's a kind of writing that's open to all sorts of wild interpretations uh, and which can be very confronting and confusing to read when we open it up ourselves. We can say a few things about it, though, nonetheless. The book of Revelation is a book where the Apostle John receives a series of visions that are meant to encourage Christians as they read this book that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he is in charge and that though though we may face present difficulties, God will win in the end. He is in control. He is seated on the throne. That's the, I think, the big message. God will win. But it is a difficult book to interpret well. And no doubt you're familiar, whether you know it or not, with some of the imagery of the book. Things like the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Things like the, the number of the beast, 666. Uh, these are things that are part of our, pop, uh, our sort of pop culture. And it's hard to interpret what these things mean. And there's been, roughly speaking, there's been sort of traditionally three different ways to kind of deal with the different symbols and things that turn up in this book that's trying to show us how the story ends. The first is to take a view that all these different symbols, so the four horsemen of the apocalypse and the, and the beasts and the like, that these are symbols or symbols for, for people or activities that occurred in John's day. And they referred to someone in John's day. So, for example, 666 uh, referred to Emperor Nero. Or uh, others take a view that uh, they're different symbols that are going to uh, refer to people in chronological order throughout history. So we've got to find out who the beast is, then we've got to find out who the horsemen are, and and we can kind of figure out um, who these people might be in history. So we might say, or maybe Hitler was someone, or maybe this person or that person. And we try and figure it out and plot it into the book so that we can kind of figure out where we're up to on the timeline of God's bringing the kingdom to bear and and closing this world off and letting us live in a a perfected kingdom. Or others say, no, actually all of this stuff is something that's going to happen at the very end of the world in a very short time, right before Jesus comes back. So we still haven't seen any of it, the beast, the horseman, nothing. Well, Vaughan Roberts, who writes a book called God's Big Picture... He says this, and I think he's very wise indeed. He says, each of these positions, those that I've just outlined, that they're people in John's day or that we can chronologically find who the people are or they're all going to come in a very short time in the future, each of these positions has problems. It is better to see the book of Revelation as describing what will happen in the whole of the last days between the ascension of Christ and his second coming. Revelation is not written to give us a time chart, 
Rather, uh, it is written, written to help us understand. So, for example, the four horsemen have been active and will be active throughout the last days. They represent the imperialistic aggression, bloodshed, economic instability and death that will mark every age until Christ returns. Christians will have to hold firmly to the vision of the throne in heaven if they are to persevere through such hardships. And we must remind ourselves that they, the hardships, will not go on forever. Jesus will return and destroy evil and establish the perfect new creation. I think Vaughan Roberts is onto something here. That when we read the book of Revelation, we're not meant to figure out who is that, who is this. We're not meant to go, oh gee, it's going to get bad one day. We're simply meant to go, we live in the last days. And the last days are difficult days. The last days uh, we experience the pain of sin. But we also get to experience something of what will be when Jesus finally returns. The now but not yet. Revelation prepares us for that. And as we get to the end of Revelation, in the final sort of five chapters or so, we read of how uh, we're going to live one day in a whole new world. That the old will be thrown out and that the new will come. We read in Revelation chapter 17 through to 20 of God finally bringing about the destruction of Satan Uh, and uh, uh, the removal of sin from the world. He's making a world free from evil. And he he does all this, he destroys Satan and evil, in order that in in chapters 21 and 22, he can bring in the new. It's a bit like uh, a renovation. If you watch The Block, or if you watch House Rules... um, then you need to get a life. But also, um, you'll know something of uh, uh, how at at the start of the... And what you're about to see is I've just told myself to get a life because at the start of the week, uh, the the contestants come in and they have a a room or a house in which they need to to modify and it's very bad. Uh, there's holes in the floor, um, there's old crummy bathrooms that must get ripped out before they can put new ones in. And the first few nights of the week, because for some reason it's on every single night of the week, uh, are all about the, the demolishing and the ripping up and the pulling out. And then... Uh, as they go about this destruction, they then start to maybe put in some new walls and put down some new floors and in come the new appliances and the new cupboards and the fresh paint. And we see a beautiful new thing emerge. And of course, the interesting thing is it's still the same house, isn't it? It's still number 56 Lincoln Street. But when the door opens and the original owners come back or whatever it might be, It's something new on the inside. There is both continuity and discontinuity. And that's kind of like how it is for us as we await the perfected kingdom. 
as we await for God to do what he says he will do at the end of Revelation, as he destroys Satan and and, and gets rid of the old and brings in the new. There is both continuity and discontinuity. You and I are going to be involved in the new thing, but it's going to be different. And yet we will know who we are. I'll still be me and you'll still be you, but we'll be perfected. Continuity and discontinuity. There's connection points, but there's also uh, things that have gone. But it will be better, it will be glorious, and it will be wonderful. And as it comes, and as we heard in our reading from Revelation today, it comes in the pattern of the kingdom. This new thing that God is going to do is the, is the final uh, home of what we've been talking about all these last weeks. God's people in God's place, enjoying God's rule and blessing, finally with sin dealt with forever. God, defeated by Jesus on the cross and now Satan destroyed at the second coming. And so we read in Revelation 21, as we read this morning, of a new Jerusalem, of God's people in the holy city. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. Into this world comes this amazing new city, dazzling in white like a bride walking down the aisle. Perfect, beautiful, wonderful. And it's a city. It's the people of God from all tribes and nations and tongues together in this place in perfect unity and harmony, enjoying perfect relationship with each other and with God. It's a beautiful picture of the people of God from around the world, perfected, living together in the city. And they do so where? Back in verse 1, in God's place. I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. This new creation, which will be unaffected by the fall, uh, which will be unaffected by the sin of the Adam, is is the place where God's people will live. A new heaven and a new earth. Too often we think as Christians that God is simply in the business of saving our souls and cares nothing for our bodies and nothing for this beautiful place in which we live. But that is not the case. It's a new heaven and a new earth. There's a physical reality to our salvation. We look forward as Christians... Not to a disembodied existence in eternity where we float around in the sky, but actually a physical eternity where we live something like what we live now, but it's better and it's perfect and there's no sin or pain or suffering. And we enjoy each other's company. Like we don't annoy each other anymore in heaven. How good is that? A new heaven, a new earth with this city of God, God's people in God's place, enjoying God's presence, enjoying God's blessing. Verse 3 of Revelation 21. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look! 
God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. No longer will God be contained. No longer will relationships with him be uh, hindered by sin. Though here and now we experience a great blessing in the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives, both you and I know that there is still more, that these mortal bodies in which we live are still affected by sin. We've just gone, some of us, away on an Alpha weekend and part of what we do there is pray that the Holy Spirit would fill us and change us more because we know there's more to do, but it won't be like that when Jesus comes back. We will live in this perfect place, in this beautiful city, with God's presence experienced completely and fully realised. We will be his people. God will be their God. He will dwell with us. It will be wonderful indeed. What an amazing thing it will be to not need to desire more of God because we will already have it. What an amazing thing it will be to not need special places to go and meet with God because God will be everywhere. In this new creation, in this new place, in this new Jerusalem, in this new city, with these new people of God, enjoying God's blessing, God's people will live with God, perfectly obeying his law, enjoying his presence, and experiencing all that God could have for us. Won't it be a wonderful thing when the kingdom of God is perfected and comes like this? It's, it's funny really because the, the Old Testament and the New Testament finish in the same way in some sense. They both finish looking forward to what God is yet to do. Looking forward to how God is going to make good on his promise. His promise at the end of the Old Testament is that he will return and what we experience in part now we will know in full then. Revelation finishes with these words in Revelation 22 verse 20. Jesus says, I am coming soon. And John replies, Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. He's, I imagine, overwhelmed by the beauty and the wonder of what he's seen in this vision. And Jesus says, it's coming soon, John. And John says, I can't wait. Come, Lord Jesus. Why hasn't he come back? We talked about that last week. Because he's given you and I a job. To call people into this kingdom so that when he returns, more of us will experience this kingdom in all of its perfected glory. And so, as we round out this series on uh, the, the big story of the Bible, the challenge there is before us. Let us get on with the job 
of being a church for Lindisfarne, making disciples of Jesus, of inviting others into the kingdom so that they can join with us and uh, invite others in too, but also join with us and wait. Wait with eager expectation for God's kingdom to be perfected in the new heavens and the new earth. When we realise what is to come and we see it painted so clearly for us in the book of Revelation, then we can't help but have the same reaction John had when we hear Jesus say, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Hey there. Thanks so much for listening to this message today. I hope you are encouraged by God as he spoke to you by his Holy Spirit. Please head to our website if you'd like more information about our church, www.lindisfarneanglican.org.au or like us on Facebook by searching Lindisfarne Anglican. We are a church for Lindisfarne, making disciples of Jesus. God bless.